2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. I'm going to read, and you all follow along, okay? The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having, so that having all sufficiency in all, at all things, all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Verse 14, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And all God's people said, bowed me. Father, we thank you so much again for, your, for this day, for this opportunity, Lord, for this blessing. We want to come before you in your word with an open heart, with an open mind, willing and wanting to be conformed and transformed by your spirit. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would lead us to a greater truth and understanding, and so into a deeper and greater relationship with you. God, we thank you so much for the gathering of these believers. Would you lead us as well as the KM side, and would you help us, Lord, to be in a state of great worship and glory as we, as we listen to the sermon and as we um, get in tune with your spirit, Lord. We thank you so much. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Now, we, now when we, uh, we typically listen to sermons about being thankful during Thanksgiving Day for what God has given us, but I've decided that we need to evaluate where we are as givers, according to this passage. Because here's the truth. God doesn't have a problem with giving. We do. Can I hear an amen? amen. Right? So the idea behind this passage today is that we reap what we sow. You've heard of that before, right? You reap what you sow. You've heard that. When a farmer goes out around the end of summer, fall, he plans on harvesting what he planted earlier that year. Now, reaping what you sow is true regarding that what you're reaping is the same thing you sowed. So if you plant corn, you're not going to expect to harvest carrots. Right? That makes sense. And so the Bible uses a saying to make that point. If you plant sin, you will harvest wickedness and destruction. But this passage actually isn't talking about what you sow, but how much you sow. Turn to your neighbor and say that. It's about how much you sow. So for instance, if you plant 20 acres of corn, you shouldn't really expect 100 acres of corn to harvest. And that's really our first point. So the first thing that Apostle Paul speaks of is the seed called money. Before any kind of harvesting, he says that the church needs to plant generously. And so we ask, fine then, how generous? How much do we need to plant? And what does God expect from you and from me and from the church? You might say, well, we have to give God 10%. That's what we call tithing, right? But that's not the answer here. Verse 7 says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. So how much do we give? The answer is this, as much as you can joyfully give. 
As much as you can joyfully give with a cheerful heart without feeling reluctant. Let me explain it logically, okay? Remember that our giving is a response to God's grace given to us, right? It's a response. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a response. So we're not giving because we can earn God's love or favor. Since our giving reflects God's giving, it should be done in the same way. And how did Jesus give himself to us? Was Jesus like, Dad, Father, do I really have to die for David? He's such a loser. I really don't like him. You know tomorrow he's going to lie, cheat, steal, and destroy again. Do I really need to do this? God, Father, he's going to break his promises all over again. Do I really need to give to him? Do I really need to sacrifice and give my blessing and die for him? No, the Bible doesn't say that. Instead, what does it say? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's shocking. As he's approaching the cross, knowing full he's going to be on that cross, he says, with joy, he endured that cross. He joyfully died for you. He joyfully died for me. Therefore, we are called to joyfully, therefore, and cheerfully give to him. Does that make sense? Right? When you give to God, whether it's money, time, or talent, are you giving cheerfully or reluctantly? There's an old saying, whatever the heart does not do, it is not done. So in this case, how much should we give to God? Well, how much do you want to give? Now, before you guys say, well, Pastor, I will cheerfully give one dollar. We also need to think about our gratefulness for God's grace. This means that we need to give in proportion to that gratitude. How truly thankful are you of what God has done for you? Give in proportion to that. Now, when you cheerfully reap or cheerfully sow or gladly give, what will you harvest? What are you exactly going to reap then? And that goes to our second point. We're going to reap a harvest of blessing. Church and neighbor say that. Reap a harvest of blessing. Now, immediately, <clears throat> you guys are probably giving yourselves a little internal high fives, thinking, sweet, if I give, then I'm going to harvest blessings from God. And immediately, all of you are thinking, blessings means what? Cha-ching. Right? You all think, if I give, then I'm going to harvest cash. I'm going to harvest money and lots of it. Blessing means winning the heavenly or spiritual jackpot. That's what we think. Well, No. Remember in the beginning I said it's not what we sow, but the amount? Now here's the thing. While we may think that if we give money, <clears throat> then we think we should harvest more money. But the point of this passage actually goes against the entire thought. For instance, I remember many, many years ago, my freshman year, I was spending up in Chicago. I had a Korean friend who was adopted. And we visited his family during, I believe, Thanksgiving or Christmas, one of those holidays, and his family was a Caucasian family up in Wisconsin. You know, if you've never experienced cold, go to, go to Wisconsin. He was a college friend of mine, and so he said, David, come by my house. We'll stay for the week or so, and, and we'll come back after the school break is done. We'll come back and all that stuff. And so I went with him. <clears throat> His name was Stephen. And um, it was interesting. Small, small little Wisconsin town. You know what his dad was? His dad was the mailman the milkman, the cow farmer, and part-time pastor. Small town. He was everything. Anyways, I remember one day, because <clears throat> I had, because, you know, Wisconsin, there's only so much you can do, especially in a small town like that. I decided to wake up at 5 in the morning and walk into the barn with my friend and his dad, because there's nothing else to do. 
So I go there, and I remember seeing his dad go to the cows. They had a couple dozen cows, and he would spend a lot of time and effort and money feeding those cows grains, good grains, and water, and nutritional supplements, and things like that. But despite feeding them that, he wasn't expecting grain back. He wasn't expecting water back. He wasn't expecting more nutrients back. In fact, he was expecting fresh milk back. Fresh milk in return for his investment. The more you feed the cow good grain, the more milk you'll get. So this reaping is in terms of quantity or amount, even though it's not the same in kind. And that's the point here. Now, when we sow generously with a cheerful heart, you're going to reap a bountiful harvest of God's blessing. But you're asking you, me right now and yourselves, if it's not money, if it's not grain for grain and water for waters and nutrients for nutrients, then what is this blessing? If I give money and I'm not expecting money in return, then what is that blessing that is not money that I'm supposed to receive back, that I'm supposed to harvest? And I'm going to give you those five points. First is this. The blessing is that the Lord will meet your needs. Now be careful here. This doesn't mean that if you give God $1,000, he'll give you $10,000 back. This isn't some pyramid scheme, and I've heard a lot of prosperity teachers, pro preachers proclaim this deceit from the pulpit. Because remember, in Mark chapter 12, of the poor widow who gave her last copper penny to the temple, and then Jesus, what did he do? He commended her, right? He lifted her up and said, hey, she's the model. She's the one you should be looking after, not all these rich people who are giving out of their wealth. Well, guess what? After Jesus totally lifted up that poor widow who gave everything to the temple, how was that widow when she left the temple? Did Jesus somehow give her a satchel of gold coins? No. In poverty she gave, and in poverty she left. Right? God didn't say, oh, wow, you planted money seeds, so therefore I will bless you a million times. No, there's nothing like that. Or what about the Macedonian church that gave out of their poverty? Guess what happened to them at the end? They were still struggling to, meet ends, to, to, to have their ends meet. They're still struggling. But despite that, there's no guarantee that we'll be wealthy. God, he does promise in verse 8 that he'll meet the needs of his faithful people. If you believe that God is the Lord of all, then you have to believe that he can give you the right thing at the right time at the right place. You believe that? He'll meet your needs. God blesses people with the provision of our needs. The second blessing, it says in verse 8, in every good work, in verse 9, it says, his righteousness endures forever. In verse 10, it says, God promises that he'll increase the harvest of your righteousness. So from these three verses, what do you think God's view of prosperity is? Is it financial success? Is his blessing upon you financial success or higher acclaim or diplomas or an awesome marriage or a great investment plan or a greater a new zip code or a big house, fancy car? What is God's understanding? What is scriptural and biblical understanding of prosperity? Guess what it is? From these three verses, we know. God views prosperity as righteousness. You get that? Righteousness. It's being sanctified by Christ's righteousness who worked in us, through us, for us. That is the greatest blessing because it's through Christ that we are ultimately blessed. Through Christ that we're ultimately blessed and we can then have blessings from God. This means that God will bless us by allowing us to become more like Jesus and to know God more. 
That's why I love that Tim Keller quote, I worship God to get God. To know him more is the truest and greatest blessing. It's not to get what he can give, but it's to get the giver. Right? God's blessing is the opportunity to grow in faith. That's how God views prosperity. Next time when someone asks you how you're doing, you say, I'm prosperous. I'm prosperous. I'm, doing, I'm growing so much in Christ. I love it and I'm rich. When you give with a cheerful heart, you'll reap the harvest of righteousness. Amen? Amen. Third blessing. Third blessing is this. You will have more to sow. In other words, your ministry or desire to give will increase and you'll be blessed more to give more. Verse 10 and 11. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God promises from these verses that if we have a true heart of generosity of our giving that he will enable us to give even more. Do you want that blessing? Now, this is the opposite of the false prosperity gospel that if we give more, God will give us more to be self-indulgent. No, instead, God addresses here that those who give as much as they are able and cheerfully able to do, God says, in effect, I will open more doors for you. I will open more doors for you to receive and to give and to receive and to give and keep going. That's why in Proverbs 11 it says, one man freely gives, yet gains even more, but another withholds, but comes to poverty. Do you know that person? Maybe that's you. You tend to be a little bit more cheap, a little stingy. You never seem to grow in wealth. You never seem, as much as you want to give to other things, you never seem to because you're always withholding your own resources. Our fourth blessing is that you'll reap a harvest of thanksgiving to God. This covers over verses 11 through 13. Now, when we sow or plant more generously, God will, in fact, receive more praise and thanksgiving. God gets the credit. In other words, the harvest of blessing from our sowing actually goes back to God himself. Now, I remember a time I had a friend. I remember he emailed me, and he was just asking me for prayer and everything. This was a long time ago. He was struggling so much financially. He told me that he had absolutely no money for rent or to pay any of his bills or even buy food. And it was, he was that desperate. He was working, doing everything he could, but it was barely enough to keep his head above the water. So he prayed every night. He fasted too, sometimes because he had no choice, but he had to. And at the end, <clears throat> end of the month, when his rent and bill payments were due, he was already packing up his stuff because he thought he was going to get evicted and kicked out the day after. But all of a sudden that day, he decided obviously to go and check his mail. And when he did, he saw bills, bills, bills. And then there's this one little envelope, this unaddressed, non-stamped envelope. So someone clearly just put it in. He opened it. There was no note, no letter, nothing. What did he see? He found a stack of bills as in dollar bills. It was enough for the entire month and all the bills and for his food for that entire month perfectly. Now, what did my friend do? Did he start thanking that person, whoever it was? 
You know what he did? Right at the doorstep, he fell down and he started thanking God and crying out to God. When we give cheerfully to others and to God and to the ministry, to whatever we need to give to, it says here that the greatest, one of the greatest blessings here is that God receives credit. That God receives credit for his faithfulness, for his wonderful generosity. When we plant or give or sow generously, God, he gets the credit, and that is part of our blessing, right? The last blessing that's mentioned here comes from verse 14. When we sow generously, we'll harvest the blessing of people praying for you. This means that when you give generously, not only does God receive praise for his blessings, but the people who benefit from our generosity will know to pray for us too. This is the idea the church who gives to one another also prays for one another. This reminds us that we're all one body, and the more we remember that, the more we need to pray for each other. I wonder, how many of you guys have helped each other out financially? Have you ever done that? And if you haven't, I consider you right now to even start praying because there are always people amongst you who are in need. Now, they, would, they don't have the, uh, they probably wouldn't come up to you and say, hey, sister, hey, brother, can, I, can you hook me up with some of this, with some cash or whatever? They probably never would ever say that. They would probably die before they would ever do that. But I, I, w- I would hope you consider to take some time, not just during Thanksgiving seasons, but take an opportunity and really pray and say, Holy Spirit, you have blessed me beyond more than what I could want this year. You have given me a job that pays more than what I think I probably deserve. You have given me also a great tax refund. You have given me, maybe someone just gave me a lump sum of cash too. But God, I don't, I don't want to just hoard and be miserly and keep this money. But rather, I want to be a cheerful giver and give to those, those who are in need. Lord, place someone in my heart. Place someone in my heart to give. When you give to someone, you get the wonderful blessing of that person who's definitely thankful of what you've done, but thankful of what God has done. But in this case, who's willing to now say, you know what? I want to be able to pray for you. I want to be able to pray for you. I remember when I was in DTS, I had a young, an older brother who uh, finished a lecture phase of $3,000, but he needed another $3,000 to, to go to outreach, Cambodia. He was on my team. And um, most people there were poor. I mean, we couldn't really do anything. So he would wake up at 4 in the morning and make like rice rolls, kimbap every single day to, to uh, sell at the cafeteria. I mean, you think in Hawaii, you just rest and relax. This guy woke up 4 o'clock in the morning every single day to roll up kimbap and buy the bare mineral ingredients for it and to sell it. And he would do that, but he was still a few hundred dollars short. And so I had some money and, you know, I was thinking, man, I could use this to buy souvenirs and to all this other stuff to, to go get a nice steak dinner in Hawaii. I mean, I'm in Hawaii, for goodness sakes, right? To maybe even take surfing lessons or something like that. And so God, he just convicted me. And I gave him just not too much, but I gave him what I thought I could give, not knowing where he was in the balance. And what I gave was exactly the amount where he was able to finally pay for his outreach. And he was grateful. It was, it was, honestly, it was nothing big or anything like that. But yeah, he came up to me and he says, 
David, thank you so much for your giving. I said, I go, young, that's no problem. It's not a big deal. And he goes, can I pray for you? And I go, of course. He's like, no, no, no. Can I pray for you every single day together when we go to Cambodia? I was like, yes. And so without fail, morning and evening, for exactly two and a half months, this young and I, we would sit together on our bunk bed in Cambodia and we prayed together. And his hand of blessing upon me was just great. It was wonderful. And that's what this verse is saying, that when you give and you support each other, guess what? They may not pay you back because you're giving not to get paid back, but you're giving because, guess what? They may be able to pray for you. What more could you want? So after the hearing, so after hearing the blessings of God's harvest when you sow generously, here's an honest question for you all. How much of those things does your heart desire? These five blessings I said. Now you're thinking, uh, PD, I was really hoping if I gave that God would give back to me like money 10 times, 30, 60, 100 times full. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. How much of God's promise to supply all your needs do you desire? How much of the ability to multiply your service to him do you desire? How much spiritual growth and righteousness do you desire? How much praise given to God do you desire? How much love and prayer from Christian brothers and sisters do you desire? This puts our giving and use of money in a whole different light, doesn't it? Dollars become seeds which we've been given. And typically, we plant them to grow specific harvests that we desire, a harvest of comfort, perhaps, a harvest of, harvest of pleasure, a harvest of wealth, a harvest of self-centeredness. But if you take a moment and realize what true treasure is, what true blessing is, treasure that will last for all eternity, true treasure is praise of our God, the good of his people, the ability to serve more, spiritual growth, and a unified church that loves Jesus. That's the greatest blessing, wouldn't you say? When you invest your money in God, that's what happens, people. Are you willing now to invest in God? Amen? Amen. Happy Thanksgiving. Be happy. All right, let me pray. I'm going to pray. It's about 6.15, almost 6.15. We have to get there by 7 o'clock which means that we probably want to leave here around 6.45. That leaves about nearly half an hour for us to just take our time and pray, um, silently pray. If you want to pray for one another, again, like, like this verse is saying, do that, okay? Uh, but take your time. There's no rush whatsoever. And then we're going to have some background music. We'll dim the lights. Take, if you need to go to the restroom, please do so, but do so quietly. Uh, but just take this time um, to pray. Okay, and let's give thanksgiving to God and say, God, look, I, I want to give more. I want to be more. I want to do more. Um, but because I want the blessings that you promised, not blessings of just greater earthly wealth or just more financial success or things that I think would benefit me. But, Lord, I want these blessings here. I want, I want to grow spiritually. I want righteousness. I want the prayers from others, of others. Lord, I want you to receive praise. I want to be more available to give more, to serve more, to do more. Okay, so let's go ahead and Lift up God in our prayers right now.